Hi guys, it's Tara and EJ Corwin with our Relationship Renovation Podcast. Always, always thank you so much for listening. So happy that you guys are tuned in because today is going to be awesome. Yeah, today we have another one of the clinicians from our center on. Uh, Her name is Dr. Liz Montgomery, and we're very pleased to have you. Welcome to the podcast today, Liz. Thank you for Mm -hmm. having me. Yeah, you bet. Hello, everyone. I would just like to say, yes, we are very grateful for Liz's presence here. She's an amazing clinician, and she's also like the fashionista of our center. She comes in every day wearing the cutest outfits ever. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) All right. Well, I mean, you know, always a good place for us to begin, Liz, is just, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about your your background, where you're from, what, what got you into this field. Okay. Well, I'm originally from Chicago. I was born and raised in Chicago on the south side of Chicago. Um, So if you don't know about Chicago south side, it is a lot going on there. I actually got into uh, the clinical field based on being in the military. And so I did start off with undergrad in psychology, but the mental health field kind of scared me. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up going into the military and um, really realizing that I got an interest in trauma um, based off working and living uh, with a group of military personnel and being military personnel. And so um, I ended up, once I got out the military, I uh, went right into a clinical program to do what I do now. Yeah. Tell, I mean, tell us a little bit about your credentials, about your schooling and all that. Mm-hmm. So um, I got my bachelor's in psychology. I also have my master's in industrial organizational psychology. It's a long word for, for a lot of words put together for corporate psychology. So doing a lot of like um, mm-hmm. consultations and surveys and things like that. So I can create surveys if I wanted to. <laughs> then after that, I ended up getting my um, doctorate in clinical psychology. And my focus is uh, psychodynamic. Um, so that's more Freudian. And so I'm a little bit analytical. And a lot of times people will say we the people that's out there. So everything is connected and things yeah. like that. And so After that, I got a lot of training in college counseling and also um, community mental health Mm -hmm. and a a lot of things like that. And so um, right now, just recently moved to Tucson. And so I love it here um, a few months ago and um, just really been enjoying um, doing a lot of the work and working with couples and learning a lot from uh, Tara and EJ. And so it's just been it's just been a great experience right. thus far. Yeah, I mean, so today's uh, the, what we named, and it was very controversial between Tara and I. We named it yeah. "Don't Keep It in a Box," it's and boring to me, but it's very applicable. <laughs> <laughs> and and sort of the idea is, you know, uh, drawing on on Liz's background, talking about individuals who work in fields mm-hmm. where they they have to sort of keep their emotions in a box, you know, they, they got to kind of keep them compartmentalized in order to do the work that they do or to deal with the experiences that they've, they've had, you know, in, in Liz's case, she, she talked about the military um, and how that impacts the individual and how it may 
impact a, a, a couple. Yeah, absolutely. And we've actually worked with a ton of couples where compartmentalization or kind of keeping it tucked away in a box is definitely impacts the relationship because it doesn't feel integrated. Yeah. Couples don't know how to integrate, you know, who they are with also this part of them that's kind of being tucked away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you mentioned, Liz, that, that this is sort of what drew you into the, the clinical part of this field was experiences you had in the military with individuals you met. I mean, maybe you can just tell us a little bit about, about that experience being in the military and what you yeah. noticed, with, how it was affecting people. Mm-hmm. Um, what I did notice is that a lot of people would come into the military already with trauma. Mm-hmm. So past trauma from their family, abandonment, and really the military was an escape mm. to get out of toxic, unhealthy situations. And so from that experience, because I came into the military kind of later on in life, considering that in the military, so I people gave me nicknames and my nickname in the military was grandma. <laughs> <laughs> and how, how old were you? That's what I'm, was, that's your nickname I here was now. I literally 20, 24, oh 25, and I, that was my nickname, <laughs> grandma. So if you can think about kind of the 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 age difference <laughs> right. um yeah. and just being in, you know, your mid 20s, you're you're considered, you know, geriatric in <laughs> in the military. And I also uh, ranked up, so I, I, I basically got my rank uh, pretty early on in the military mm-hmm. because they were uh, really trying to have a lot of NCOs in that um, non-commissioned officers, if people don't know, um, mm-hmm. within that uh, MOS, which I don't even know what MOS stands <laughs> for. But a lot of times the the military personnel would come to me for like advice and things like that. And then I just noticed that it was just a lot of trauma. And so, and one peer in in particular um, where he actually had a psychotic break and nobody really knew how to handle it. And so I like pulled the, the higher ranking officers to the side. And I said, I said, this is a mental health incident that's occurring. And I said that this is probably this person's first time having a psychotic break. I said the the age range is is within that age range. And I'm like, this is a lot of pressure. And Mm -hmm. so I'm like, handle this, you know, this particular um, soldier with care. And so he ended up getting um, medically discharged and things like that. But it was just seeing a lot of that just the mental health struggles with right. the military personnel and just having some insight. Um, I just feel like I was just able to like guide a lot of the higher ranking officers to make the right decision to handle them. The the people would care. care. Yeah. yeah. Gosh. And yeah. here, when, what I was thinking while you were talking is like, so here are a lot of people already coming into the military with trauma. So mm-hmm. they're probably pretty good at compartmentalization or dissociating anyway. Mm -hmm. And now they're in an experience where they're going to be compounding on that. And it's like, holy moly, Mm -hmm. like, how does that even, how do you even deal with that? Yeah. Right. I mean, what do you, what, what have you noticed, Liz, you know, in your years in the military and, and then becoming a clinician, like someone who, who doesn't realize that that compartmentalization is a habit they have and they don't realize, you know, they don't look at their past as, as traumatic or mm-hmm. they've, or they've just right. shoved it in the box and just don't deal with it. Like, what do you notice, 
you know, are the sets of behaviors, you know, what starts to happen for an individual that, that might be an indicator? Mm-hmm. There, there actually is a lot of indicators. Um, a lot of times is realizing, well, what they would say in the military is noticing that someone's personality is just totally changed, but really it's just that person is triggered. Mm-hmm. And so, um, they'll just notice like this shift. So it can be someone that's like, I'll say like Tara, really friendly, <laughs> happy. And then you notice that completely different, maybe um, a shift sad, in they're shifting their mood. They don't want to talk much. More and withdrawn. Yeah. More withdrawn. Um, another thing is oftentimes uh, when it comes with uh, trauma is dissociating. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of times people don't really know what that really looks like. And it's just seeing a person leave, mm-hmm. literally leave their body. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, come back, you know, it's safe. And just talking to someone and then they begin to like come back into their body when you notice like, okay, they're responding but oftentimes, uh, the dissociation can feel like being on autopilot. Mm. Um, and if you see that, you could just know it, it's just noticing subtle things when it comes to um, dissociate, dissociation. Yeah. Yeah. Can I share one story? Because this actually I had a couple yesterday, and he's finishing up his last, he was an ROTC in high school, and then he went into the army, and now mm. he's like finishing up. His like last four weeks, I don't exactly know what it is, but mm-hmm. so he's been away from his partner for four weeks out in the field somewhere. And like his last week is like in the desert, actually, like in oh. a pup tent. And But he was saying that they had kind of um, a thing that happened over the phone. And I said, well, how do you, how do you guys navigate that? And he said, well, do you mean like when I'm on duty or when I'm just not on duty. Mm-hmm. And it was like two separate things. And I said, yeah. well, tell me both. And he said, well, when I'm on duty, he's like, I know that I was triggered. He's like, but you can't show any of that. You mm-hmm. cannot have any emotions in front of any of the other officers, in front of any of the other soldiers. He's like, so I just distract, I internally distract. Mm-hmm. He's like, but when I'm with her at our house in our home, he's like, I kind of let her know how I feel. Sometimes mm-hmm. I let her know that I'm feeling really anxious because he's got some insecurity and trust issues. But it was just like so black and white for him. Like, mm-hmm. are you talking when I'm active duty or when I'm not active duty? Right. And I was like, wow. So and that, it, yeah. yeah, it's really separating the person. Some I remember saying things like, oh, yeah, I'm different. I'm different in uniform than outside of uniform. Mm-hmm. And people will be like, you're totally different. I'm like, yeah, you have, you this, have, to. You have to separate to be able to navigate within the military. And oftentimes the, the safest emotion to even show is is anger. And, wow. and, and that depends on the the situation. And that's what's glorified. Everything else is considered unsafe. Um, and even talking about the the circle of safety, there was um, a client recently seeing that, and he said emotions is not in his circle of safety. Mm. And I was just like, ooh, yeah, like I I know where that's from. And so just and he's in the military and really like talking about that and breaking that down with his spouse and saying like. This is why he's not able to connect to you emotionally. Yes. Literally, emotions are outside his circle of safety. Yeah, 
And I think what you know, the situation you were describing, Tara, was a was an individual who had some higher level of awareness mm-hmm. than a lot of people yes. do. I mean, I think that I think a lot of of people in these, and I, I don't want to really broaden this mm-hmm. to to not just military, but but first responders mm-hmm. and people in law enforcement, in and the medical board, field, border patrol. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even even like you know trauma nurses, yeah, you know, all these doctors, people. Yeah. They they. They have this skill set that works so well for them in their field Mm -hmm. that they kind of assume it's, we've talked about this before, that's going to work in their relationship or they don't even have an awareness and they're, they're, you know, like, like you said, like emotions just aren't, it's not useful. Don't do it. Keep your cool. Yeah. And I think one thing they miss often is that actually like they think they're like flat. Yeah. And I think other people experience them oftentimes as angry angry withdrawn yeah withdrawn Withdrawn. exactly yeah yeah so what have you seen both when you were just in in the military and then now as a clinician Mm -hmm. like what do you see as like you know the clear impacts on on a relationship the clear impacts are oftentimes the partner spouse will feel like they're in the relationship by themselves yes and that they're doing all the work they're invalidated you hear that a lot. And it's just really like they're trying, they're trying to try different things. And it's just like really feels hopeless. And so really what I talk about, I'm like, there is, it has to be training. Mm-hmm. You literally training. And I say it in that way because it, it really is, that's what it is. And that's how... I think a lot of the uh, personnel that work in these environments that's trauma heavy, it is about training. To help help us understand that when you say training, get, get- like that's what yeah. So as far as like um, training, um, I'm talking about constantly reiterating like so having scenarios. So what I would do uh, is practice. So mm-hmm. we'll practice scenarios. So what happens in session? I'm like, okay, John Doe. You know, I'm really feeling sad today, things like that. And I'm like, what do you, what would you say to me? And mm-hmm. sometimes you'll see the blank yeah, like stare. Deer in like, the headlights. like Deer in headlights. Like, oh. And I'm like, okay, you say, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. It, sound, it sounds like you had a bad day. What yeah. do you need from me? Mm. And it just, just those things. And so it's like really really rehearsing yeah like almost teaching that individual how to stay present Mm -hmm. during times when there's emotional activity yeah right like they want i guess their preference is that there's very little variation in emotion Mm -hmm. and so when their partner has a heightened emotion even Mm -hmm. even like even if it's a positive emotion right even if it's a positive emotion we even talked about having parties and their the the client's experience with having parties is is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And so having to like decompress after having a party and um saying like no but it's and really see the client kind of fighting with themselves and like no but it's fun but it's just like uh, it, it's not fun, really fun for you. It's a lot of work. It's yeah. a lot of preparing before and it's a, when you're there, it's like thinking about an exit, yeah. literally thinking about the, the exits 
and yeah. then it's like decompressing. It's after a party. Yeah, yeah, because I hear it like in this. I've heard this from a lot of people who do suffer with PTSD or who, mm-hmm. who have been in the military or in the uh, first responders. That basically they have to feel like they have to put on this face or mm-hmm. play this part, and yep. by the end of it, it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And and they don't know how to, again, I always kind of, the term I use always for trauma is when you start to process through it, then you feel more integrated. When you feel more integrated, you feel more free to be you. But if you have all these parts, mm-hmm. AKA boxes that all these different things are tucked into and mm-hmm. it's like, who, who do I play today? Who right. do I play in this hour? Yeah. Right. What does this person need? How do I be here? And it's just a constant hypervigilance. Right. When I think the other thing that we've we've heard a lot about is just how how substance abuse then drops mm-hmm. right in the line. Yes. And like what a, for a period of time, what an effective uh, intervention alcohol is. Yes. Yeah. Why is that? So why do, why do you think that that individual who has this background, who maybe has unresolved trauma, why are they drawn to, 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 to alcohol in particular? Um, alcohol is, is numbing. And so mm-hmm. your system when it when it comes to trauma, it's literally going haywire. Mm-hmm. So there's feelings of anxiety, there's heart palpitations, there's everything. And so you just want to come down. Yeah. And so alcohol is very popular and it's everywhere. Yeah. It's, it's so accessible. It's a part mm-hmm. of everything and every outing. Um, also, it's something that was definitely I know used within the military. It was considered, yeah, let's let's have drinks. And even people would joke, like, you know, I just drank all the way to six o'clock in the morning and I can run six miles. And I'm like, how in the world <laughs> can you function yeah. like that? But you can. And yeah, it is just a- celebrated. And yeah. Yeah. Way to cope. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. it can kind of come back and hijack us in a yeah. bad way. Mm-hmm. All right. So, I mean, I think one you you did a really great job of clarifying a couple of things. So, if you're if you are the individual or your partner is an individual who's in one of these jobs, you said you know being aware of just like an intolerance for for variation in emotion, mm-hmm. a tendency to to maybe check out, you know, to, to disassociate. Mm -hmm. And then, and then we just talked a little bit about also like finding, you know, maybe not the healthiest ways to cope, Mm -hmm. you know, finding ways to numb out. And that can be other things too, right? That can be just like total isolation. It can be like massive amounts of video games. It can be prescription drugs. Sex addiction. Yeah. Sex sex addiction and and infidelity is definitely Mm -hmm. something we see within this population a good bit, Mm -hmm. you know? So, okay. So those, those are some of the signs, you know, and obviously you want, if you as an individual and your partner, you want to be identifying those sooner than later, if possible. Possible. So what is a you know what does a couple do if it, you know if this is something that they're seeing like yeah my husband or my wife like just can't my partner you know just like has a hard time dealing with their emotions or they disassociate or they're drinking too much you know what do you how do you go about changing this really it is um, I would say acknowledging it is the is the first step and mm-hmm. having a, a difficult conversation I think a lot of times. People struggle with having those um, difficult yeah. conversations and, and naming it mm-hmm. and saying, hey, I heard this podcast. I think that there's something, there's something mm-hmm. there. 
and really opening up that that dialogue in order to feel safe and then going to get help. So yeah. going to see a counselor because that oftentimes in these fields, people are not told to go get help. No, it's it, it's frowned upon. It's, it is frowned upon. We, mm-hmm. I actually had. I don't mean to interrupt Liz really quick, but it, I don't want to lose my thought. When I'm seeing any individual or couples in the military, they're like, "Please don't put this or any diagnosis on my record because yeah. that's going to be frowned upon." Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, "How can like seeking mental health or mental wellness?" be looked down upon. And so some people have literally, I said, well, we sometimes we do have to put a diagnosis in and mm-hmm. it will keep them from coming. No, it's, no. The, it's the truth. And, and it is talking about that. They they will not come. And I think that that's an important thing just on an education side from us to, to those of you listening out there is that if you ask a counselor to not diagnose you, you know, they don't have to, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, the big, the big thing you run into is when insurance is involved. You go into somebody who they, they need that code in order to get you a reimbursement. But, you know, you can find, go to counselors, go to mental health professionals Mm -hmm. where there's absolutely no need for them to, to put any diagnosis. And so we want to make sure that that's not something that sort of like, you know, uh, creates a barrier between somebody going out and, and getting that help, you know, Mm -hmm. because I mean, our experience in, is that it is a life-changing experience for mm-hmm. individuals when they team up with a really, really skilled mm-hmm. clinician mm-hmm. who has knowledge about that population, who has some really great interventions like like EMDR or somatic experiencing mm-hmm. or or you know, even just basic talk therapy, talk, talk, CBT, talk, trauma. talk therapy, yeah. CBT. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that those type of things, like it shifts people's lives fundamentally mm-hmm. and it changes their relationship. Just to add, like when, I, when I'm when i seeing a couple and I know there's some trauma, possible PTSD, compartmentalization, I do provide a ton of psychoeducational training. And I also encourage the couple. I think couples therapy is great, but I also do encourage the individual therapy because I think that piece of it is so huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, Liz, I mean, we, we really want to give you the, the opportunity to just sort of like put out your your like call to action to to because you worked with mm-hmm. these individuals you were you were shoulder to shoulder with them mm-hmm. you supported them over the years like like what's the message that you want to get out to to this group of people the message that i do want to get out is go to get help it is it will change your life and exactly what tara said it's the it's about the integration because we cannot live compartmentalized and in different different parts of ourselves, mm-hmm. different selves. And so get the help. Just like EJ said, you do not have to worry about getting a diagnosis when insurance is not involved. Mm-hmm. And just seek out those counselors. And if you feel more comfortable with veteran counselors, mm-hmm. seek that out. We yeah. have one here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. And this is like sort of a, a little bit of a um, something I care a lot about in our field 
is educating individuals who are seeking counseling, whatever it's for, is that is that you you should be a consumer about mental health. Like you don't, you know, we, we have this attitude almost like with doctors where we just like Google and it's like whoever pops up first, we feel like we're stuck with that person. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, it's such an important thing that people find the right counselor for them, mm -hmm. that they talk to right. them, that they go to a couple sessions. Mm -hmm. and some counselors will do like half hour, you know, we do a lot of consultations here mm -hmm. first before we team somebody up with, with a counselor. But, you know, going out and finding that person that you feel safe with, that you mm -hmm. feel like talks your language, mm -hmm. you know, that has the expertise. And I'll tell you, there's a lot, you know, like, like Liz, there's a lot of great counselors out there who are passionate about this and who have done a lot of, a lot of continuing education. Mm -hmm. There's people who want to help this population a lot. And so, so they're out there in every community. Absolutely. And we're actually going to be having a podcast pretty soon uh, with a couple who kind of navigated this. He was a first responder, didn't even know he had PTSD. Infidelity happened, and then they're going to share their experience with us, their couples counseling and their individual counseling. So I think that's going to be really helpful. And it was too. an amazing journey that these people went on. That Can't was wait for life this Life transforming, podcast, relationship yeah. transforming. So with the help of, of some great clinicians, you can do amazing things and you can mm -hmm. just like unshackle yourself from. Unshackle. Yeah. 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 You can get out. You don't have to keep it all in a box. You don't. Yeah. Right trauma heavy to trauma light. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, Liz. <laughs> well, thank you, Liz. This was so wonderful to have you on here. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, definitely if you were willing, we'd love to have you back and talk to you again. And uh, let's see. So if you do want to, you know, reach out to us and communicate any ideas that you'd like us to discuss, mm -hmm. have people that you would like us to interview, please reach out on Instagram. We are at relationship underscore renovation. At Facebook, we're at He Said, She Said Counseling. We have our online program that we love and we're very passionate about because it can help couples, you know, at home to to work on their relationship. It's 22 lessons. There's video components. There's there's uh, exercises that, mm -hmm. that you do with your partner. You can check that out at Relationship Renovation Centers. Dot com. You can always just email us uh, info at he said she said counseling.com. It's always a pleasure uh, to be here. Thank you again, Liz. All right, you guys, we'll take care of each other, take care of yourselves. Thank you again, Dr. Liz, for being here with us today and for being a part of our team. We're so happy you're with us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. All I'm right, happy bye too. bye, everybody. Bye. bye. Me and you just singing on the train, me and you listening to the rain. Are the same, me and you have all the fame we need. Indeed, you and me are we. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.